uh, if we can get it up there, yep. Avinu Malkinu, together. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. As I said, today is Shabbat Zahor, which is the Sabbath before Purim. Purim actually begins Wednesday evening. Remember, Jewish holidays start in the evening, so Purim is Thursday, starts Wednesday evening. And as Evan shared, we'll be celebrating Purim with two events this week. Our hamantashen making, we're not baking ladies because we don't have an oven here, but we're going to make them and you can take them home and bake them. Uh, party on Wednesday night. Don't worry, men. I'm going to make sure you get some hamantashen as well. Uh, I'm going to do some experimenting this weekend on some different recipes. And uh, Wednesday afternoon we'll be making some things to bring so you'll get some hamantashen in your men's group that night. And then as Evan said, on Saturday we're having our Pur- Purim party here at Beth Emanuel. And there was some discussion and confusion over this, so I'm going to clarify it. It's here at Beth Emanuel, not tomorrow, next Saturday, March the 3rd. Our quarterly calendar that came out in January indicated a different date, but as we came closer, we had to make some changes. We're not going where we're used to have it there in Ronkonkoma. It's here at Beth Emanuel next Saturday from 4 uh, to 6. And... Um, of course, we know the story uh, of this holiday. Those who are a regular part of Beth Emanuel, uh, you know it very well. For those who are new to the congregation or maybe listening to the podcast, uh, Purim celebrates the book of Esther from the Bible. It's a story of deliverance at a time when the enemy of our Jewish people, that wicked Haman, getting you geared up for next weekend, uh, sought to annihilate uh, the Jewish people from the earth. So today, Michael and I start a two-week series entitled The Power of One. It took one person to change history that day. Sometimes we feel like our lives don't matter. Thoughts go through our head. What uh, difference uh, can I make in the world today? What difference have I made with my life so far But I really believe Adam and I want to encourage each of us here in this sanctuary and those listening to the podcast, that one person, and that's you, turn to your neighbor, that one person is you. Okay, you guys aren't saying it. So everyone look at me. That one person is you, okay? That one person is you. And God wants you to know that you can make a difference. Hadassah and Mordecai each had a role to play, and they made a difference in the uh, history that day. And when you, uh, you need to remember that there will never ever be anyone else like you. And although you may feel that the space you occupy and the role you're playing in life is insignificant, God thinks otherwise. Okay, God knows exactly what's happening in your life and God wants you to make a difference uh, not just for yourself, Hadassah, uh, the difference she made impacted her own life, but it impacted an entire nation. From history, we know the following facts about how one person made a difference. We've shared some of these things uh, in different messages over the year. But look at these statistics about how one vo- vote changed things. In 1654, one vote gave Oliver uh, Cromwell control of England. In 1649, one vote caused Charles I of England to be executed. In 1776, one vote gave America the English language instead of German. Can you imagine? We'd be speaking German. In 1839, one vote elected Marcus Morton, the governor of Massachusetts. In 1845, one vote brought Texas into the Union. Although a lot of Texans may wish they were not, but they are part of the union because of that vote. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from impeachment. In 1875, one vote changed France from a monarchy to a republic. In 1876, one vote gave Rutherford Hayes the United States presidency. 
And this one really reflects uh, for us as a Jewish people. In 1923, one vote gave Adolf Hitler control of the Nazi party. Think about that. Did one, one person make a difference? Yes. And in 1941, one vote saved the selective service systems, which is how we uh, recruit and draft people, just 12 weeks before Pearl Harbor and how important that was during the war for us. So, and there are many, many more like these where you can go back in history and see how one person made a difference, either for good or for bad. So God wants to encourage us today that we can make a difference. And as I was working on this message, I began to think of different people in the Bible besides Hadassah who made a difference in the lives of others. And I thought of the little boy who went out to hear Yeshua one day, and uh, this little boy uh, brought a, a lunch with him. He had five loaves of bread and two fishes. And uh, there he is. I got a little boy there. So he had five loaves and two fishes. Now, it's interesting to think, did no one else bring lunch? I mean, did you ever think about that? Did no one else bring lunch that day? That there's only these five loaves and fish? Or did other people bring lunch and they say, I'm not going to share my lunch I'll be starving if I give my food, you know. Or do they say, gosh, I just have this little bit. What good is it going to do when they look around the crowd? We don't really know. All we know is that only one little boy came forward with these five loaves and these two fish. Did he make a difference on that day? He sure did, right? He came forward, and, and, and I'm sure as this little boy went out that day, He wasn't thinking, wow, I'm going to change the lives of a lot of people today. Wow, I'm going to make a difference. I imagine he just went out like he normally did. Today I'm going to go out and I'm going to enjoy my day. I'm going to meet up my friends. You know, that Yeshua is in the area. So I'm going to go listen to him. Maybe I'll see him perform a miracle. And got excited all about that and and, and went out. But on that day, he made a great difference. It wasn't a lot that he had. Selah. Because you may think you don't have a lot. That's okay. Five loaves and two fish. It's not a lot when you have 5,000 men plus the women and children. But with God, whatever little we have, he can use to make a big impact in the lives of those around us. So no matter how small or irrelevant your life seems to you, God wants you to know that you can make a difference. So today I want us to look at the qualities that Hadassah had that led her to make that difference. And next week, Rabbi Michael is going to look at the life of Mordecai. Because each of them played a unique role in the story of Purim. And without their presence and willingness, our story could have turned out different. In fact, I'd like us to just pause and reflect on a few rhetorical questions. What if Mordecai hadn't adopted his cousin Hadassah? We know from the the story that she was an orphan, that her parents died. He was her cousin, and he decided, obviously he was an older cousin, and decided to take her and raise her. What if he decided not to do that? What if he said, I don't want to to raise this kid. I have enough problems of my own, right? Or what if Hadassah didn't want to listen to Mordecai? Once she got in the palace and say, he has no clue what it's like here in this palace. I'm the one that's here. What does he know? Then that means the Jewish people would destroy it, and it means the Messiah would never come. Of course, those are rhetorical questions, and we all know that Adonai would never have let that happen because he made a promise to establish the Jewish people and to bring the Messiah. And so he would have found one other person who would have rose up to the occasion. But think about it. Hadassah had to be willing to be that one person. Mordecai had to be willing to be that one person. God wants you and I to choose to be willing to be that one person today. I often speak of destiny, especially when I speak to and about our children and young people. But the reality is I believe every one of us, young and old, male and female, have a destiny in Adonai. And each one of us is called to be a history maker in our generation. And it's not just for the young, you know, because some of you may feel, oh, Rabbi Carol, I'm a little older, and this message is not for me. That's not true, okay? 
How old was Moshe when God called him from the 80 years old? Okay, 80 years young. Thank you, I like that. 80 years young. So whether you're 80 years or 18, this message is for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for you. Because some of you are already checking out. I can tell. But God's going to get your number because you are important and you can make a difference. That's what Hadassah and Mordecai did. That's what the little boy did with the fishes. We really don't hear anything else about this little boy after this story in the Besserot. But he was called to make a difference at that one moment of time. And think about the impact it had on the crowd of people who ate that day, witnessing the miracle of Yeshua multiplying those five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 plus, because it says there's only 5,000 men, but we know there were women and children there, right? And then they had to see the baskets of leftovers. I am sure that this story of this miracle was told over and over again in these families. Do you remember the day when that little boy came up with his lunch? I was sitting there thinking, he has to be Meshuggah. Now, what is he giving? What's, what, what's, how's five loaves and two fish going to feed all of us here? But wow, when Yeshua blessed that, that food kept coming and coming and coming. Man, I'm sure glad that little boy shared his lunch that day. One, I got to eat. And two, I witnessed a miracle. Think about that. Because that one little boy made a difference. And how his story was told over and over again. How can we do the same in our lives? How can we make a difference in the world around us? Well, the first thing I want to encourage us is we need to embrace where we are at in life. You see, it's so easy for us to look at our lives and wish we were someone else or someone else. Discontentment easily sets in as we reflect on things we wish we had done or regret things that we did do. And when we get in that mindset, we become discontent with our life. And God wants us to embrace our life and exactly where we're at now. I know many singles wish they were married, while many married people wish they were single. Not anyone here, of course. (laughs) The young people wish they were all grown up, and grown-ups long for the days of their youth. Right? Some of us hate our jobs. While others are looking for a, a longing for a career that is less demanding. Some of us wish we lived in a different home or maybe even a different state. And so often, again, we're looking to be somewhere else in life or someone different in life. life when Adonai just wants us to accept where we are at right now at this season in life, which today is February 24th, 2018, Wherever you are at and whatever you are experiencing in life has not caught God off guard at all. And he still has a purpose for what you're experiencing right now. And he still wants you to make a difference for yourself and for others around you. But you cannot do it if you don't embrace where you are at. And this is not to say that he is not interested in our growth and seeing us move forward in, other, in these areas of our lives, but that's a topic for another message, so we're not going to cover that today. But as I said, he wants us to embrace where we are at at this very moment in time and recognize that he can use us in these circumstances and situations even when we don't understand them and even if the circumstances are not of our own doing. Let's reflect on Hadassah. The things that happened in her life she had no control over. We don't know what happened to her parents, but they, they died. She had no control over that. It left her as, as an orphan. She had no control over the fact that she had to go to be a part of this harem. She was in a foreign land. This foreign king gave an edict that all the young women 
in the kingdom, not just Persian women, but all the young women. She had no control over her life. You recognize this? It wasn't that she chose to be an orphan. It wasn't that she chose uh, to go into this beauty pageant. It wasn't that she chose to be in the harem of a wicked king. But that's where she found herself. You may be in situations and circumstances, not because you chose them, but because other people did things or other things happened that you had no control over. Not that people did it to you, but just things happen. Life happens, right? As Evan is talking about, you know, the cars, it just happened. It wasn't anyone's fault. It just things happen in life sometimes. And in the midst of those things happening, we have a choice. Hadassah had a choice, and what she did was embrace where she was at. I don't think it was the dreams of this young Jewish woman, oh, one day I'm going to grow up and marry a wicked king. You know, we did a study a few years on, uh, ago, a Wednesday night study on the book of, of Esther. And I can remember Rabbi Michael talking about you know, again, it's through the plays that we've done over the years and through the whole story. You know, the beauty pageant. People get this glamorous idea. It was not a glamorous thing that she was in the palace of this king. Not at all. <clears throat> so what does it mean to embrace our place in life? <clears throat> well, looking at Hadassah, it means we make the best of the situation. How do we do that? Well, I think the first thing is uh, to follow her example of listening to the advice of others. Specifically for her, it was Mordecai and Haggai. Read with me from the book of Esther, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, and then verse 15. When the king's order and decree were proclaimed, and many girls assembled in Shushan, the capital, under the care of Haggai, Hadassah, too, was taken into the king's house and put under the care of Haggai, who was in charge of the woman. The girl pleased him and won his favor so that he lost no time in giving her her cosmetics, her portions of special food, and seven girls from the king's palace to attend her. He also promoted her and the girls attending her to the best place in the harem's quarter. Hadassah did not disclose her people or family ties because Mordecai had instructed her not to tell anyone. When the turn came for Hadassah, the daughter of Abichayil, whom Mordecai had adopted as his own daughter, to appear before the king, she didn't ask for anything other than what Haggai, the king's officer, in charge of the harem advisor. Yet Hadassah was admired by all who saw her. She embraced the situation And one of the ways she embraced it and got through it was she listened to the advice of others around her. I was thinking of that young boy in the New Covenant. I'm sure that when he got up that day, as I said, he just wanted to get outside. You think of little boys and, 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 you know, and it's a, uh, maybe it was a summer day and he's like, I just want to get outside. I want to get with my friends. And even though the text doesn't tell us specifically, I think his Jewish mom, said, wait, 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 you're not going out without this lunch. You know how, how it is. You get going all day long. I've made this lunch for you, and you have to take it with you. And I can see, oh, Mom, nobody else is going to have lunch. I don't want to drag this bag around with me. And this Jewish mom insisted. Again, it's not there in the text, but this is what I imagine. you got to take this lunch with you. And the kid took the lunch, and it made a difference. Too often, as people, we recoil when someone gives us a word of encouragement or advice because we think we know it all. Our feathers get ruffled and we withdraw from relationships or situations because we think, well, who are you, Mordecai, to tell me what to do? You have no clue what's going on. Of course, Hadassah didn't do that, and neither should we. See, being teachable is right up there with one of the top qualities a person can have in life. And embracing the situation uh, is done when we listen to the counselors that God has put in our life to help us to navigate this season. She'd never been in a harem before. I mean, goodness, right? 
She lived in the, her little community. So having Mordecai and Haggai say, this is what you should do, Hadassah, do this and go this way, was very important. And it was a part of her being able to make a difference that one day when she walked into the court of the king. Friends, you and I don't know everything. I know you want to turn to the neighbor and say it now, but trust me, I'll say it for all of us. You don't know everything. And sometimes we are so deep in the midst of the circumstances that we don't have a clear perspective of what's going on. So seeking input and advice, and listen to this one, actually receiving it, hello, pull your toes back out, is what's going to make the difference. Life is tough sometimes, guys. And right now, you might be in a season of, wow, life is tough and things stink for me. It doesn't seem like it's going to get any easier. Well, I want to tell you to embrace that tough situation. And in the midst of that toughness, seek godly counsel. We talked about this before, but I'm just going to go on a little rabbit trail here. Don't seek counsel from someone who's going to tell you what you think you need to hear. Seek counsel from someone who's going to tell you the truth of God's word. But then listen to it. Listen to it. In other words, do what they say. Nothing more frustrating as a parent, not that my children ever did this, as they sit on the front row looking at me like, oh, mom, don't say anything about me. Nothing more frustrating as a parent to, to when your child says and asks you something, you come and say, do this, and they don't do it. When you know that in doing it, they are going to get the release that they need. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. But this is good preaching. When you go home and ruminate on it, you'll agree with me. <laughs> Eventually. And those listening on the podcast, don't turn me off. The other way she embraced the situation is she didn't complain. She was not a covetor. Here I go, I know, sorry. (laughs) Never once did we see Hadassah complaining about what was happening in her life. Again, she lost her parents. She's thrown into this beauty pageant in the palace of a wicked king. As I said, I don't think this is what she expected her life to turn out like when she was a little girl and all the dreams that little girls have about their future. I don't think any of these things was what she dreamed of. In the Bible, in the New Covenant, specifically, the Greek word translated complainer literally means one who is discontent with his lot in life. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without coveting or arguing. See, we're not embracing where we're at in life if all we do is complain about it. And that may be why we're going around that same mountain. Round and round and round. So I was reading a couple different articles about complaining as I was working on this message. And one was the effects of complaining in the life of the believer. And this writer shared five things that happen when we give in to complaining. One, it stops our forward momentum. Two, it fosters dissatisfaction in others. Three, it outvolumes and squelches appreciation. Four, it becomes a way of thinking. And five, it becomes our vision, and it becomes what leads us in the decisions that we make in life. That's not good fruit, guys, right? Then I was reading an article in Psychology Today, and this article talked about three different types of complainers. And it said that complaining usually happens when we find ourselves in or having not uh, or having 
just experienced a negative situation. So the first was a chronic complainer. We all get what a chronic complainer is, right? It's someone who complains all the time. They have a tendency, this article said, to ruminate on problems and to focus on setbacks over progress. And they always, 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 get it? Always see things in a negative light. That wasn't Hadassah. She could have, but that wasn't her. And trust me, God would have told us. Well, Rabbi Carol, how do you know that? Because he told us about the children of Israel and the Torah, about their complaining, because that is all they ever did. And that is one of the reasons, in addition to others, that they ended up spending 40 years wandering in that desert. In fact, Adonai said to them, I can't chapter verse you right now, but get me afterwards and I'll look it up for you if you don't believe me. He said that your complaining is like an abomination to me. That's what he said to the children of Israel. So there's these chronic complainers. The second type of complainer that this article talked about was the venting complainer. And it went on to say that venting is expressing emotional dissatisfaction and that people who vent usually have an agenda. They tend to be focused on themselves and their own presumably negative experience By showing their anger, frustration, or disappointment, they are soliciting attention from their confidants, whoever they're sharing with, because they can feel validated by receiving this attention and sympathy. The article said venters are particularly likely to discount advice and propose solutions to their problems because they really aren't looking to solve anything. They just simply want to vent. And the article concludes about these two that unfortunately the result of venting and chronic complaining is that it dampens people's mood. And in a series of studies, researchers track people's moods before and after hearing a complaint. And as, li- as expected, whenever someone heard a complaint, in other words, if I listen to a complaint from you, it makes me feel worse. Not only does the one hearing it feel worse, but the person complaining also felt worse. And then it talks about a third person. And they, I wouldn't call this person a complainer, but the article did, and it was the instrumental complainer. And this complainer is interested in solving problems. That's why I wouldn't call him a complainer. I call them a problem solver. So in the midst of the negative situations, they're looking to solve the problems, not complaining. So I want to encourage us to embrace the situation means we can't walk around complaining about it every minute, every second of every day that we have. Oh, I wish it would change. Oh, my goodness. This has been happening now for 20 years, 40 years. You're not embracing your situation. I'm not embracing my situation when I complain. And trust me, I have my seasons of complaining. You can ask my family on the front row as they nod their heads, amen, mom. Okay? And when I enter into that season of complaining, instead of embracing and trying to problem solve the situation and the circumstance, I don't feel good. Certainly my family doesn't feel good listening to my complaining. Right? And instead, we need to be like Hadassah and Mordecai, who they looked for a way to solve the problem and the situation that they were in. So embracing where we're at is very, very important. The second thing that we need to do, like Hadassah, is to rely on the power of prayer and fasting. Excuse me. When the gravity of the situation was made known to Hadassah, she called on her people to join her for a time of prayer and fasting. In fact, they called a three-day fast. Look with me at Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Hadassah said to Mordecai, Go assemble all the Jews to be found in Shushan and have them fast for me, neither eating nor drinking for three days. And friends, that's tough, okay? 
night and day. My husband and I were talking about fasting yesterday as we were driving home from the office. And we are fasting more regularly now in our lives. And we're listening to uh, one other speaker, and he says, your fasting stinks. You know, and it's, and it is because you're hungry, you get grouchy, your body gets weak, and all these sort of things. And it's not easy. So to fast for three days without food or drink. Now, my husband has a better constitution than I, and he can go a time without water or drink. I can't. I can get very, very sick if I don't take in water when I'm fasting. I'll try sometimes and maybe make it, you know, for 12, 15 hours, but it gets, the, it gets the best of me. So what Hadassah is calling these people to do is amazing. Three days, no food, no drink. Night and day pray. And I and the girls attending me will, fear, will fast the same way. Then I will go into the king, which is against the law. That's why she's having them fast and pray. And if I perish, I perish. Like I said, think about this. Fasting for three days, and she's going in before the king. Her body was weak. There's no way it couldn't have been. And yet she's going to go in and face this wicked king, which was against the law. What was the importance and what is the, for Hadassah, and what is the importance for you and me if we as each uh, in, individual want to make a difference about this? Well, the first thing that God spoke to me was the unity of the community in praying and fasting together was vital to Hadassah's success and will be vital to your success and my success. In the end, we know it would only be Hadassah who walked into the king's throne room. But I believe the power of her family, friends, and community praying with her cannot be underestimated. Listen to me. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things for a community, for us as individuals. In my daily devotions, uh, in my New Covenant reading, I just started reading the book of Acts this week. And I always note about this first century congregation that they had a habit of gathering together for prayer. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the festival of Shavuot arrived, and the believers all gathered together in one place. Why were they gathered in that one place? Well, we know from Acts chapter 1 that they came there to wait on the Lord, and that means to seek him and to pray. And this theme is repeated through the book of Acts. The believers of this first century congregation were able to impact their community because they prayed regularly together. Amen, Rabbi Carol. Good preaching. I'll have to go this side. Amen, Rabbi Carol. Good preaching. When you read in the book of Acts, it is amazing. When you read what that community do, did, and when you think about it, look historically, how with those, those 120 people in that upper room, how they, th- things exploded, and they turned the known world upside down with the Bissarah, the good news of the Messiah. Amazing. Prayer and fasting as a community enabled them to do that. In Acts chapter 3, we see Kepha and Yochanan going to the gate beautiful with a man crippled all his life. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I give you in the name of Yeshua, rise and be healed. And they grabbed the man by the hand. He jumped up, and it says he went into the temple courts leaping and praising God. Kepha and Yochanan had been a part of that prayer meeting. They were part of the prayer meetings regularly. They were stoked from their prayer meetings. They understand that as one person, they can make a difference. And Kepha is the one person that made a difference in the life of that crippled man. He was a grown man, had never, ever walked in his entire life. Don't you think he was grateful that Kepha was that one person who made a difference in his life that day? Don't you think he was grateful that Kepha had been a part of a prayer meeting that had encouraged him to believe that God wanted to move in his generation and impact the people around him? 
I think that that man, if you get to heaven and you go and talk to him, he will tell you a story you will not believe. I sat by that gate day after day, year after year, begging, people throwing uh, little coins to me in our day, throwing me a nickel, a dime, a penny. I was humiliated, but there was nothing I could do. But one day, one person came by and took the time to look my way and said to me, I don't have silver and gold to give you. I'm not going to throw a nickel or a dime in your basket today, but what I do have to give to you is going to forever change your life. I am the person today that is going to make a difference in your life. He reached down and grabbed that man up with a hand and that man's life was forever changed because one person by the name of Kepha made a difference in his life. And that one man, Kepha, was part of a community who regularly prayed and fasted together. There are people you are going to meet this week. I am telling you that you, like Kepha, need to say, I don't have silver and gold. I don't have a lot of worldly wisdom to give to you. But I want to tell you what I do have. It will forever change your life. And you need to speak of the hope and the truth of the word of God into their lives this week. Think of the first martyr, Stephen, in Acts chapter 6. Think of Philip's. Philip in Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, Now Philip went down to a city in Shomron and was proclaiming the Messiah to them. And the crowds were paying close attention to what Philip said as they heard and saw the miraculous signs he was doing. For many people were having unclean spirits driven out of them, shrieking. Also many paralytics and crippled persons were being healed so that there was great joy in that city. Friends, your city, your community, your co-workers need to experience great joy. Long Island needs to experience great joy. Our Jewish people need to experience great joy. It's going to happen through you as one person going to that city and saying to them, this is the truth. Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel. He came and he died and he gave his life for you. And if you put your hope and trust in him, your life will be forever changed. He will save you. He will deliver you. He will heal you. He will totally turn your life around. God wants you to be that person. Do you understand? He wants me to be that person. Philip was that person. Those people in that city were forever changed. People were healed. People were set free. Because Philip, who had been a part of that community that prayed and fasted, and when he went out as that one person, he was now empowered. We have three prayer meetings right now at Beth Emanuel. Going to increase, I'm going to tell you, during the year. Prayer is going to increase more. This week it was my husband, my daughter, me, Kathy, and Randy at Thursday night prayer. Friends, not a good showing. I don't mean that to embarrass you or to, I'm just saying, not a good showing. This afternoon, within a half an hour or so after service ends, we'll have another prayer meeting. I got to eat, Rabbi Carol. My stomach's growling. Mine's growling, I could tell you. So if mine's growling, I'm sure yours is. We've shared before, bring a lunch. My family eats up in the mezzanine, eat up there, and then come down for prayer. We started a third prayer meeting recently on uh, Saturday mornings with our prayer partners. See, Rena, you want to be a part of that? I want to tell you, you should be at one of these prayer meetings every week. If you can't make all three, so be it. 
But you should make one prayer meeting a week. You need to be a part of the community prayer. Pray. And, and you know, because we shared this past year, how God led us on a journey. If you are not fasting, friends, you need to start fasting. Thank you for that one amen. Oh, I can't fast, Rabbi Kelly. Everyone can fast one meal a day. One meal, one day a week. Okay? Because there is power in prayer and fasting as a community. It made the difference in that crippled man's life because Kepha was a part of those community prayer meetings. It made a life in that whole city of Shomron. It may make the difference in the whole ward that you work on in the hospital. It may make a difference in that office building where you work. Because you could connect it to prayer and fasting as part of the community that emboldens and empowers you to be that one person that makes a difference. The other thing about prayer and fasting is that it brought clarity and confidence to Hadassah. Again, she was about to go before this king whom she had not seen in days. And as she told Mordecai, it's against the law for me to go in. So when she says, if I perish, I perish, and even though in our plays and stuff it's become a funny line the way some people have said, it was a very serious thing. She could have lost her life. She knew that. So she needed to have a confidence and a clarity of what she was going to do because of the gravity of the situation. And that prayer and fasting gave that to her. I am sure, although again the text doesn't give us the exact details of this, that it was Adonai who gave her that plan of action of what she was to do, to go in and to bow down and to say, I want you to come to this dinner and then to come to a second banquet. One writer says this of fasting, when you abstain through fasting, it shows God you are serious and God takes that seriously. If the cause honors him, The reality is some spiritual breakthrough is only possible with a combination of prayer and fasting. Many times in scriptures we see men and women of God going to prayer and fasting when they need guidance and direction. Look at Acts chapter 13 verse 2. It says, one time when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Ruach HaKodesh said to them, He gave them direction because they were praying and fasting. You need direction in your life? Pray and fast. When they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, This is what you need to do. Set aside Barnabas and Shaul for the work to which I have called them. And the psalmist constantly talks about asking God for his direction. One of those verses is Tehillim 27 verse 11. The psalmist says, teach me your way, Adonai, and lead me on the level path because of my enemies. And this was exactly the reason that Hadassah called the people to prayer. They had an enemy who was bent on their destruction, and they needed the guidance of Adonai. So we want to make a difference. We want to be that one person that changes someone else's life. Then we need to be committed to prayer and fasting individually, but also as a part of the community that God has called us to be a part of. And finally, I close with this. If we're going to make a difference in our community, we're going to be that one person that changes someone's lives. We need to be courageous. It took courage for Hadassah to do what she did. As I said, even though she had the prayer support of a whole community, she would go to that king alone. Mordecai would not be standing beside her. Her servant girls would not be standing beside her. No one would be there beside her. When she walked into that court, she would be all alone. She was a courageous young woman. Think of that little boy with his lunch. Again, it took courage for him to bring that lunch forward, knowing it was not enough to feed the thousands seated on the hillside. As I said about others who maybe had a lunch and didn't share it, he could, in his mind, could have thought, this is silly. But he knew who Yeshua was. He had heard his preaching and probably seen his miracles. And his thoughts might have been, if anyone 
if anyone can do anything with my little lunch, it's going to be that man. Hadassah, if anyone can use anybody, it's going to be the God of Israel. So I'm going to depend on him, and I'm going to go in to that king's throne room. I'm sure as a Jewish girl, she had grown up hearing the stories of her ancestors, learning of their heroic feats and courage as they trusted Adonai to bring them out of Egypt and into the promised land. She might have heard of the courage of the young teenage shepherd boy David who defeated the mighty giant when no one else dared to step up. And he was all alone on that battlefield also. And maybe she was encouraged thinking of that story. You know, God was with him even though he was all by himself. God will be with me even though I'm all by myself. Maybe she thought of another Jewish woman who once led Israel, Deborah, and the courage she displayed in leading that nation to victory. Whatever thoughts were in her head, the reality is she approached the situation with great courage. And Joshua 1.9, Adonai tells Joshua, who is taking over for Moshe, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. One definition of courage I read is the word courage means the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, without fear, brave, without fear, in other words, bravery. Another definition is having the courage of one's convictions to act in accordance with one's beliefs, especially in spite of criticism. Another writer that I was reading talked about putting our faith into action and how courage is needed for that. And he said, courage is not all about that superhero stuff we see on TV or in the movie theaters, although I like superheroes, I must confess. But I get it. It's not courageous that. But courage, is a, it's about the courage to face life's everyday challenges. It's the choices we make that show if we're courageous or cowards. It's choosing between what is right over what is convenient. It's choosing our convictions over comfort. That's what courage is. Hadassah chose to do the right thing. Not was what was convenient. Convenient was, you know, I'm going to put my life on the line. Because in the end, like I said, she was the only one going in there. No one knew she was Jewish. She could have lost her life. And, and no one else would have suffered from it, just her. She didn't choose the convenient thing. She didn't choose comfort. She followed the conviction of her heart that as Mordecai has said to her, perhaps for such a time as this, God has called you. And she followed that conviction. We need to show courage in the face of adversity. We need to show uh, courage in situations and circumstances that are beyond our control. Like Hadassah and Joshua, we need to remember that Adonai has promised that he is with us and that he will never leave us. And like Hadassah and Joshua, we need to rely upon the word of God. As Adonai told Joshua in the verse before, be courageous. Verse 8, it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to observe everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Friend, Courage faces adversity and challenges with the hope of change and victory. That courage led Hadassah into that throne room that day because she felt she would make a change in the circumstances. And she was looking to see victory not just for herself but for her people. So as we reflect on the story of Purim and the reality that the power of one life can make a difference in our world, I want to encourage us to remember that God is orchestrating in our lives and that he has a plan. There are no accidents. You may never be a queen or king. Your actions may not save an entire nation. Perhaps like the little boy with his lunch, you will touch 
the lives of a hungry crowd of people and walk off into just doing your thing. But this I know for sure, your life counts. Your life counts. And Adonai wants you to know that you can make a difference right where you are today. Again, on February 24th, 2018, even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of the difficulties and challenges that you are facing, we do this if we follow Hadassah's footsteps. I think we will be amazed at what happens in our lives. So I want to close with a poem I found on the difference of one. You may have heard this poem before. I couldn't find the author everywhere. I found it. It just said, Author Unknown. There's a little feedback on this microphone now. Maybe you can take the trim down. It says, One song can spark a moment. One flower can wake the dream. One tree can start a forest. One bird can herald spring. One smile begins a friendship. One hand clasp lifts a soul. One star can guide a ship at sea. And one word can frame the goal. One vote can change a nation. One sunbeam lights a room. One candle wipes out darkness. And one laugh can conquer gloom. One step must start each journey. One word must start each prayer. One hope will raise our spirits. One touch can show you care. One voice can speak with wisdom. One heart can know what's true. One life can make the difference. So you see, it's up to you. The power of one. You and I can make a difference right where we are at, like Hadassah and many others who have gone before us. Let's make ourselves available to Adonai. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to invite Evan and our team uh, forward. Uh, We have moved our time of praying for needs to the end of the service. So if you have a need today, uh, I want to encourage you to come forward. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come on up and get in place. I'm going to go ahead and uh, recite the ironic benediction to officially close the service. So... uh, if you feel you have to, to, to leave and you don't need prayer, that you're able to do that. Uh, this prayer team is here. Uh, we're not special. We're just here to pray in agreement uh, with you for the release in your life that you desire. If you're sick in body, I'm going to tell you, come up and get prayer. Oh, Rabbi Carol, I come up every week. I don't care. You come up again because today may be the day where the release comes. There's going to be a day when the, the breakthrough comes for your health. So come up, believe, receive prayer. If there's anything else in your life that you're struggling with, come and let the team pray for you. But I'm just going to close with the Ronic benediction, and then Evan and the team that's up here will lead us uh, in, in worship as we're ministering. And again, when that time ends, uh, the last few weeks we've just sort of been going into prayer, but we'll have prayer within a half hour after that. Hebrew this afternoon uh, for all of those who are part of the Hebrew from 3 to 4. And Adonai said to Moshe, This is how you are to bless the children of Israel. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. May you be that one person who makes the difference this week. Yeshua's name. Amen. Come forward and receive prayer.